0: To to remain unique, don't ever change the way you are. Um, stay on that path, and it's it's really uh it's it's a I think it's a big one. I know it gets thrown around a lot, being unique. Um, but I think if you have a great uniqueness, yeah, you never let it go, and be mm-hmm. be really true to that. And the good ones, you, you remember them and you talk about them for years to come because they were so inspirational, have a big effect on your life, and you just want to be like that person. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's um as for me, it's a it's so easy. It's it's a no brainer. It's right there in front of you. And, you know, just um, look after your people. Do the right thing by them, and they'll do everything back for you. What
1: is up, our fellow Legacy Warriors? It's such a unique perspective and a thing to think about. The power that you have to shift a culture just by showing up and going and impacting the lives of others. We all have that power within us, but... How are we utilizing that to shift the culture that we find ourselves in? That culture could be your circle, could be your home, could be work. Ultimately, there's culture that you can set everywhere you go. It's just a matter of how you show up. So on this episode, we had Mark Ashby on as a guest, and it was just a powerful conversation of just working at the top for what Mark does and helping CEOs and top-level executives go ahead and shift the culture by adjusting how they interact with themselves and then just how that trickles down to shift the culture overall for the business, but how that impacts everybody else within the business by that shift in culture. A couple of things that Mark uh, talks about is the need to adapt, the need to share ideas and experiences to help level up and the power of a support system. And then many more ideas that Margaret shares in the episode. Those are very powerful when you can consider it. But as we've discussed before, if you're looking to level up your listening experience for your podcast, check out Podopolo. Go in there, use the referral code 2NativeSons and go level up your podcasting experience by sharing clips, by finding things in different episodes that stick out to you, that you can share that specific clip. And then you can also determine the lineup for the podcasts that show up that you truly enjoy listening to. So go level up your podcast experience using Padopolo. Use the referral code 2 Sons. Other than that, enjoy the episode, and we'll catch you later.
2: What is up, our fellow Legacy Warriors?
3: Another episode of Legacy Ding with Scott Brant. Uh, Patrick Murakami, and uh, we are two native sons. And today we have a uh, really special guest, mm-hmm. uh really cool story, uh, Mark Ashby. Mark, thank you so much for being on our podcast today.
0: Uh, thank you, gents, for having me. It's a pleasure to, pleasure to be here.
3: So, Scott, did you want to go ahead and let the uh, Warriors know what drew us uh, into Mark's story? Uh, reading uh, the, the resume, reading
2: what Mark puts out on PodMatch, the background with the military peace and going over there serving time in Iraq and incorporating leading through the violence the turmoil that's going on over there and finding a way to turn on turn off the empathy and really help leaders over there correlate and build a different culture as you're going through the turmoil and the heat that's going on over there. And it's unique because when you look at it too, on a pod match, we have crisis culture and performance specialists. And so it is one of those unique things, Mark, when you think about it, as you're building a legacy, what you're leaving behind, when you think about the, the crisis and culture piece how does the legacy piece for you incorporate between those two uh, ideas
0: and what you're trying to build and help others overcome? Yeah, like, I think a lot of the things these days, like that, like crisis and culture, uh, and and even performance in, in the, uh, I suppose in, the, in more in the, the professional sphere, they all sort of go hand in hand, and and I think the days um, of the old of, of maybe employer employers, you know, getting away with. I suppose treating their own employees, how, how they feel. Mm. Maybe the the workforce of 20, 30 years ago is slowly evaporating. I think a lot of the younger generation, especially coming through now that I'm seeing, they, they won't put up with it anymore. They're, they're they're very educated and not just educated from say university, they're educated in in what they can actually ask for and, and, and I suppose almost, you know, demand, if you want to use that word in, in the corporate sphere. Mm. Um, and they're not as scared to, to move on if something doesn't work for them anymore. Like when I was a young guy you know you had your your job and everybody was so happy to have a job um that they just went there and did their job and they shut up and and even if they've been treated poorly they would just continue on but i think today those things are are slowly changing and like i said a lot of the younger i call them kids because they are kids <laughs> they they're not scared to uh to say okay i'm not going to take this anymore and i'm going to go and look at something else now and mm. quite often now they'll even just leave without another position which is it's pretty pretty sort of a you know a gutsy move to be honest to do that and I'm even seeing um, now a bit of a trend of teams moving, which is the, a bit of a new one, where you, you're maybe having a team of fifteen um, people, you know, leaving an organisation in, in one hit, and it's uh, it's it's really really interesting to sort of to to watch that and see how it's going to pan out in the future, I suppose. And um, look, it's 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 a real, I suppose, conundrum as well for that, for that employer mm. that is is maybe has an old school mentality where they have to adapt and they've got to then start. Having that approach of a bit more of an empathetic approach and developing that really, you know, fantastic culture in the business because it's it's like anything. You're in the military. If you have a great leader, um, you'll do anything for them. You literally walk through fire for that person. And I, I worked for some fantastic uh, people in my time in the Middle East, and and the good ones you, you remember them and you talk about them for years to come because they were so inspirational. And have a big effect on your life, and you just want to be like that person. So mm. yeah, it, it's um, as for me, it's a it's so easy. It's it's a no brainer. It's right there in front of you and, you know, just um, look after your people, do the right thing by them and they'll do everything back for you.
3: I love that. <laughs> and now you guys can see we so easily why we were we, we wanted to have uh, Mark join our, our podcast. Mark, you touched base on a couple of things that um, I think a lot of people don't look at it from maybe the perspective that you just brought about the younger generation, right? Um you know, something that's um, really on the forefront of my mind all the time is generational wealth. And I feel like that we are in a season right now where a lot of the uh, boomers are kind of dying baby boomers. And so um, a lot of it now is kind of the recycle around the precipice around the horizon of new generation kind of rebuilding that wealth. And typically it goes about three generations deep from your perspective with what you teach and the things that you focus on. Do you also feel that that's it's a it's a whole different time frame than kind of what we've uh, seen accustomed to? Not even in the corporate world, but just in the generations that you work with.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's massive. I mean, I'm, I'm right in that middle, I'm 52, so I'm right in that middle, of that baby boomer sort of age, and that younger generation. Um, you know, right in that, in that middle sort of sphere there. And I suppose I went back to university at uh, at 48 to do my master's master's degree, and uh, of course you're going to be sitting there um, with with kids. You know, a lot of them are. They're not, of course, that, that undergrad age, but that sort of mid twenties, you know, twenty five to twenty six years of age, and going out there into the workforce. And it really gave me a, a, a real um, feel of, of what their mindset's at, and um, you know, and where they're going to go with their lives. Yeah, and, and I, I think, like I said, they're they're not scared to. Um, you know, I think a lot of them really embrace where they're at, and they're not scared to ask questions that they, they really want to know. I and mean, I, I used to get inundated by by. You know kids there all the time because at first you're the older one of the older people in the classroom, and you know but once they learn that you've got that experience in life and what you've done, they of course then want to uh you know really grasp and, and grab hold of your knowledge and and i I actually love that I, I love where you can have a bit of an influence on someone's life at that age mm. rather than the opposite, rather than people think my age that are a bit more they want to hold on to that knowledge they don't want to give it out. They're a very bit scared that someone's going to take their role or take their position. Mm. Um, I've never had that attitude. I, I, I love giving that information out and, and giving that person the, the best chance they can to, to go and do well. That's what it's all about, isn't it?
3: Yes. You, know, you, yeah. you, you want
0: to be the – I know it's a bit of a catchphrase. You want to be the best the best version of yourself, but that's that's basically what it is. You don't want to die wondering. And mm. I suppose being around all that 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 frailty for so many years overseas and seeing a lot of my friends lose their lives, that it makes you realise, hey, we're only here in this form of our life for one hit that it. We, we we get one chance, and um and and make the most of it. Don't don't have any regrets. Just go out and go out and grasp it, and you know ne- never look back. That's my opinion.
2: <laughs> no, I,
0: it's, it's huge when you
2: think about that. We've talked about it before. Where the fear of giving out your ideas, the fear of connecting with people because X Y Z somebody's gonna steal it, or you hear the the fact that if I give this up. Am I giving up a piece of who I am? But the fact that when you can have the conversation with somebody, not have the fear of them running and stealing your ideas, what may happen with that is you come across somebody that has an idea that can be added to what's going on already. And it creates a humongous growth piece that if you're fearful of somebody running with it, you miss out on an opportunity to really create this, this explosion of growth That needs to take place. But the thing is, an idea that you have may be missing a certain part, and then you talk to somebody and share your idea, they may have something that adds to the growth of whatever that is. And it's the fact of ideas really aren't original, but everybody has their perspective that needs to be shared, needs to be heard because there may be something missing out on whatever it is. And I think that's a huge piece there that you highlighted on not fearful of talking to people, giving the advice, giving the insight to set them up, because if you impact their lives, what kind of change can they go create because of the impact that you had by having the conversation with them?
0: Yeah, and it's a really good point there, Scott, as well, like where you're – you know, people have that, have that, that fear that they're going to have something taken away from them. And I, I like to think a lot of it's reciprocal that it goes around that if you do the right thing by people, not everybody, but it may also come back to, to work in your benefit where you, you help somebody out, give them that bit of advice and, and down, and down the track, it may be a year or two. Quite often that will come back around and you, you may get a really nice recommendation out of it or a referral. Um, and that person will remember you. And because I remember those great leaders, like I said before. So if, if you can try and be a bit like that yourself, it's going to come back in in a positive way. At least it won't be negative. And um, I'm not. I, I had a really good experience. I worked with one of, one of our uh, former prime ministers um, overseas from Australia, and you know the the, the guy was a leader of our country. And away from all the the nuts and bolts of what he did in politics, he was very very big on asking questions. And and if he had any doubts, he would he would come around and, and find out and it was really interesting to see a person at that level you know of, of, of basically the, the pinnacle of leadership to be that way and it made me it made me really realize okay wow this guy's the he's the he's the you know he's the apex of what we do and yet he's got his own own questions of us um, and it really opened my eyes up to like you know we're all we're all the same we were no different I know we're all born differently. We all some of us look differently, and some of us have different methodologies and and ideologies and religions and things. But from above, I always look at when you look you're flying over on a plane and you look down. We're all just ants on this planet. We're all just running around trying to do the best we can yes. and build our little kingdoms and and uh, you know our family units and and it, it really made me think a lot overseas um, because you do a lot of a lot of thinking in those those environments mm. and um, what, what's right, what's wrong in life and. And just to remain unique, and I've been told this a lot through my life, just you know, to to remain unique, don't ever change the way you are, um, stay on that path, and it's it's really, uh, it's it's a, I think it's a big one. I know it gets thrown around a lot, being unique, um, but I think if you have a great uniqueness, yeah, you never let it go, and be mm-hmm. be really true to that.
3: Oh, man, <laughs> I love that. That's such a great nugget right there for anybody. So before we kind of deep dive into how you got into what you're doing now. I want to ask a question here. A lot of times, a lot of veterans, um, and especially here in the states, I don't know for your country, and so this is why I'm kind of curious. A lot of times, after maybe serving time in the military, especially going into war zones, a lot of our soldiers kind of come back. Almost, I would. Would you say jaded? but uh, Hard, yeah, hardened maybe. Yeah, a little, maybe a little bit
2: right of now. the the jadedness, kind of hardened but i think it's that what you what you experience over there sometimes of
3: course right and again nobody can fault you nobody can tell you what experience you had and what you've gone through but um for you personally you know i don't get that coming from you in in the few minutes that we've had conversation for so tell us a little bit i mean is that something that is you know is that common in your guys's military when people come back from a war zone to maybe experience and feel that way and then you know if it is, or if, you know, a little bit more, and then kind of, you know, what did you do to maybe to be able to bypass some of that, or, you know, what did you have to do to work through to some of that?
0: Yeah, it's exactly the same. Um I mean, we've pretty much been embedded with, with the US uh, you know, forever. So everything that, that your soldiers have gone through, it's exactly the same for us, mm-hmm. Um especially the level of operations we've all been on. I mean, I think in, in my time in Iraq, I uh, completed around rough Roughly around about one thousand six hundred missions, so and more time than World War One and World War Two combined. Mm. So it's it's unbelievable, really. It's, it's um it's groundbreaking compared to uh, previous you know war. I know we have better facilities now, and we have you know better food now and equipment, but that time on the ground and and that dealing with that I suppose fear aspect every day in combat's exactly the same. Mm. You know the the, the 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 horrors of war, I suppose, if you want to call that and. And somebody who's never been there, they can't understand it. Right. It, it really is something that's. Um, and I think you find out a lot about yourself when you go to war. Before I went to uh, the Middle East, I'd went to East Timor on operations with, with the paratroopers in Australia. So that was my, my big take on on combat. And it wasn't really combat. It was just it was peacekeeping, and it was you know being in, in a you know a country that's you know had a lot of its own issues, but it wasn't combat. And going to Iraq was such a wake-up call for me. It was just like, wow, this is wow, this is what it's all about—the mm-hmm. noise, the smell, the, the pace of it every day, and the, the pure fear of it. So I think coming home from that, for me personally, it was a bit of a rough time. I um I was going through a bad divorce, um, and then then I then I lost my father. I was very very close with my father, and and lost him very suddenly. So it wasn't a great time, and um. I, in in the midst of that, I, I met a, a fantastic lady that that we're still together now, and she's uh you know, the love of my life. You know, the person I, I wish I hadn't probably met thirty years ago. And you know, a lot of talking, and I, I went and saw some, you know, tests and helped myself. I went and saw a psychologist for a little while, and just to I suppose have a have a, a conversation with somebody that was was different, that was independent to me. Um, I got onto a, a great guy in Australia, very nice bloke, and, and we really talked through a lot, and it was a real help to me. But I've also got a very good support network around me as well. My family are very, very tight. Um, with my, you know, my mum my who's still alive, my, and my sisters as well. And I think I've always had that bit of a mindset of you can't just sit in the corner. You've got to do something. You've got to do something to either help yourself or maybe help a person around you. Because if you sit at the corner, you're just going to self destruct. And they call it, uh, identity crisis. That's what they, a lot of the, our, I suppose, government psychs and things, how they refer to it when you come back, come back to Australia. And A lot of the soldiers they come back and it really is an identity crisis. They don't know what to do with themselves. Uh, I've had a lot of friends come back that have really struggled. A lot of them have taken their lives. We've had so many, so many um, men from from my old unit that have taken their lives. So they've survived you know, a decade of war. Um, some of them highly decorated uh, guys, and come back and and really, really sad that have taken their lives. And a lot of them that have had very bad incidents overseas. Um, you know, really bad injuries, lost lost limbs, and and um brain damage and you know, chopper crashes or things like this. And it's yeah, it's it's really, really terrible, you know. It's and I don't know what the answer is. I think if you don't have that support network, you're behind the eight ball straight away. I was very fortunate that I've got that and and you've got to talk about it. You can't sit there and do nothing. Even when I was at the uh I was at Australian embassy for my last four years and you know, we used to always us used to talk about our our missions and and things going on all the time. You, you constantly talk about it. Um, if what happened that day whether it was good or bad what we learned from it and we'd all get around as a group and and, and have a, a conversation and it's it's very important um and it's it's a real I suppose epidemic it's almost it'd be exactly the same in the states with with young men and a lot of the extra young military men mm. um it's not as bad with, with with the the ladies which is very very fortunate but with the guys I suppose for what they've seen in, in combat and um yeah it's it's something that's very close to my heart as well yeah, like I said, I don't know really what the answer is, but um I've always just tried to have a bit of a positive spin on things. That's that's my take on it, where I've, I've you know, had the right people around me and and got that help, I suppose.
3: I appreciate you sharing your insight on that because, you know, it is an epidemic, right? Um there's yeah. so many you know, Scott and I talk a lot about balance and a lot of times we feel like that the generation that we grew up in, right? Hey, you don't, as a guy, you don't cry, you throw dirt on it. Right. Ladies were told not to show emotions, you know, so we're all kind of like already in balance from nurture, much less all the things that, you know, we, especially as men, we internalize, you know, so I appreciate you talking about the ability and having building that chart to maybe have the conversations uh, as well as the mentality. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, no, I think it's uh, because it goes hand in hand because
2: of what you're doing within the corporate sector, working on the top-level leaderships, those high-level executives. And when you look at the individuals that are running a business that are kind of everything trickles down, they set the culture, and if they're not in a place that if something's out of whack for them in one part of their life, that really can impact them for everything else that they're doing. But it comes into the point of, as a business owner, I can't show up and show that vulnerability because if I show that, that's a potential sign of weakness. And then you start having things blend in to the business where it just builds a toxic culture that is hard for everybody to go and want to be there. And it's like you highlighted where the younger generations getting into these businesses as an employee workforce and they're getting away because they're like, I don't like this type of environment. This is not what I want to work in. And then, like you also highlighted, you're having these teams that are leaving. So when you think about coming from the military side and dealing with the combatives, that side, the war, and then going into a situation of working with corporate America and the leaders, how much of that or were are you looking at in regards to helping them kind of strip that down so they can build a proper culture and environment where people want to be there to thrive and see the business succeed?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a great point, isn't it? And it's so prevalent. I think it's more prevalent than what it is. The opposite. Quite often, I'll I'll go into a business, and you're exactly right. You'll have a whether it's a CEO or a CEO of that organisation, and there's maybe a bad culture there. Then you may be brought in by that individual themselves. And after you do that little bit of digging, I mean, I love to get that know that person one on one, really strip it down, and find out who they are as a human being, not just at work. A bit about their family life and. Yeah, you know, maybe the person's going through a bad divorce themselves, or a custody battle with their children. Maybe they've had their mother or father have just passed away, and they haven't dealt with it well. And like you said, that just then filters down through the whole organisation, and they don't realise it themselves that they are the person who's affecting what's going on. That's the you know. And once that that slippery slope of of that culture starts sliding away, it's very hard to click your fingers and bring it back. To make a, a bad culture can happen quite quickly, but to reverse that process. It's it's difficult because you get disgruntled workers and you you get you know teams there in your middle management and their attitude is well I've been treated like this now for months and I'm not happy about it and they just get a sorry and sometimes for them it's not good enough they they want more than just a sorry they want a total change and it's really um amazing to see and my, my big things I, I love having that whole turning complex into simple I go in there and I'm like I don't want to have this big fuzzy picture let's just strip it back and make us really really easy to understand in real layman's terms so we know where we're at and i think that's what i'm probably is my one of my my strengths is that getting the best out of people like that um and it's uh some some of them will will take it on board and really like okay really want to change things around here because you make them realize you you, I, i try and make them understand where they come from that they've worked you know, bloody hard in their life to get there. They've sacrificed. They've gone to university maybe a couple of times. They've risked everything to, to create this business or this empire. And, and I say to them, what part of that person when you first started is, is still here? Is that person still there? You know, do you actually enjoy what you do? Do you like coming to work on a Monday morning? Or do you come here now on Monday morning and all you're thinking about is Friday afternoon? And now if you have that attitude as a leader, imagine the rest of your – how that attitude's going to then wash down into your your workers. Because they're looking to you as that leader. I know what it's like to be in charge of people. It's a big, big responsibility. And I used to always say overseas that I had my those, those underneath me. You know, I had those 10 souls and my team underneath me. And all I cared about was getting the, the mission done, of course, but getting them home safely, back to their families. That's all I cared about, really, at the end of the day. And um, it's, it's the same in the, in the corporate world. You've got to look after your people because without them, your business is nothing. Mm. If they all leave tomorrow, <laughs> you go broke. Even the biggest organisations in the world, really, and a lot of these organisations don't realise that they become sausage factories. You know, it's just churn the dollars over and get the people in, and massive turnover of staff, and and they don't even understand sometimes. Oh, why are my staff leaving? Why they're leaving and droves? It's like come on, it's it's right in front of you. And I suppose having my background, and you don't stand this at all a little bit, Scott, as well, where we're not as intimidated to go into a boardroom and and call people out and do it respectfully, do it nicely, but do it, be honest about it and say. You know the the problem here is is this boardroom or it's individuals here. It's not the staff below you, and it could be a shock to them sometimes. You know, it'd be like, it's not me. It's like, well, and actually, you are part of this this problem. You you brought me in to, to tell you the truth, so I'm here telling you the truth. And it's you know you get some adverse reactions to it, but I think I've got a good way of getting around it. You know, so um, you know, I, th- I think if I insult if I insult somebody, I've really done a bad job because I, I'm generally you know pretty pretty good at it
3: yeah I was just thinking that as you were talking that <laughs> probably a little bit easier to walk into front uh in front of a board of directors or a CEO after working with the prime minister
0: <laughs> yeah look like they can be intimidating. you might get you know somebody who's very successful they can be very big alpha males that maybe they're earning you know ten million dollars a year maybe more and they're very successful and they're not used to being told either no or you know maybe you should look at it in a different way so yeah, a lot of it correlates with, with um, you know, military leaders and and um you know, like you said before, maybe political leaders. They all correlate in little parts. There's all little elements there that are very, very similar. Mm. And I think that's why it works because the nuts and bolts of leadership, it's the fundamentals are all the same, aren't they? Mm. It's all it's about, you know, leading from the front and, and getting the best out of your people and setting that example and really making the people around you better at what they do. That's what leadership really is. I think there's so many spheres these days of leadership everyone goes off on these different tangents about leadership and i just laugh a lot of them and shake my head because it's actually very very simple just be what you're good at and let that you know wash over your people and that's that's the fundamentals of leadership
3: yeah we actually were talking about this last week because we um, listened to a twitter space and this gentleman was one of the youngest mob bosses in uh, the the u.s and you know you imagine kind of what a mob boss does and the kind of the association of either respect and power that comes with it, but listening to that space. And he said, leadership is a characteristic, not a position, man. When you think about a mob boss saying something like that, it was like, it was really powerful to me to hear that.
0: So <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's a good one. I like that one. I'll, I'll take that one. I'll, I'll steal it off him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, no, no. I like it. Cause it's, it's, it's really simple, isn't it? It's like, it's almost like a light switch. It's either on or off. And mm. I think some, a lot of good leaders, I think are, they're. Right. It's almost they're almost born with it. They're just born with that ability to to, to lead. I think yeah. some people can become good leaders, um, but if I think if you have to be told to change your ways, then you're already behind the eight ball a little bit. Where if somebody who's just those natu- a natural leader, and you see it, I saw it overseas, and like I said, in, in that in that combat environment, you just see the great leaders, and then men will just do anything for them. They'll speak very highly of them, and it's just like yeah, they just do it with ease. Mm. So yeah, I like that one.
3: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. You know, um, I don't know how to describe it when you kind of see that. You know, it's almost like somebody, it's almost kind of like they have a path let, let out for them and they just walk through it. You know, and it's almost like kind of they, it, it's purposeful or it's intentful where a lot of times you see people kind of running around in circles. But, you know, I think one of the the beautiful things about life is watching some of those people who run around in circles to then becoming really great leaders because they've taken the time to really figure out who they are figure out um and really nail down like you talked about being good at the thing that they're good at um and a lot of times people walk aimlessly around so you know as you got into kind of the realm of what you're doing you know the coaching and and the awareness piece and and all these different things how were you able to take the skills that you already had Turn that and then, how are you able to then take that approach and say, I think I know that corporations, I know that big CEOs, you know, the, uh, these larger outfits can benefit from my services. How did you be able to go ahead and take all those skill sets and translate that?
0: First of all, I was lucky enough to um, have a friend of mine. He has his own sort of risk consultancy style business, a corporate business. So he said, come and, come and do some work for me when I come back from, uh, back from the the Middle East. So I started off with him. He's, his whole business is generated around the media, the big media organizations in Australia. He does a (laughs) lot of sort of risk consultancies there. He does crisis awareness talks and uh, active shooter talks. Um, because there's so much in the public eye, the media and they have that bit of public backlash and. They could they can be very controversial. So they, they love keeping themselves safe and when their foreign correspondents are traveling all the time, so it was a bit of travel awareness as well. Mm-hmm. And I was ended up doing some talks with them in the corporate sphere. And I joined their boardroom sort of size talks, and I really enjoyed it. And it was something that sort of came uh, pretty naturally, a bit terrified at first, of course. I was like, this is a bit different for me. <laughs> and but I soon learned to to really embrace it and love it. And I and I had uh, a senior exec there I was talking to, but became sort of friendly with. And he suggested that, that I go to my own um and into a slightly different thing from my from my friend, so I'm not sort of you know a, a direct competition to him and uh then I got in touch with a, a fantastic lady in Australia who's a, a branding specialist and she's specializes really in enhancing who you are and making you really believe in you know what you're good at and systemizing my approach and everything from my from my color schemes to my my photography to to just the whole business, my website and my online training platform. And so getting the right help was was um, amazing. Mm-hmm. And because I, I, of course, you can build it on your own, but I soon figured out that it was going to be a lot harder. And with her, it was, it was really professional. And she's one of those ladies who doesn't just work with anybody. You've got to almost interview with her, and she's got to decide if you're worth going with very successful. And I was the first type of bloke that she'd ever worked with, you know, from my sort of background. So for her it was a bit of a, a new thing as well, which was fantastic, and it really gave me um that big insight to having that self belief that you can actually go out there and actually you know bring out your your best and your experiences, um and, and help other people. Mm. And when you you I suppose have your first couple of success stories, um in, in that sort of sphere, it gives you that confidence like oh okay I can I can do this, and these people actually do want to listen to what I've I've got to say. Because you are different and you come from a different, you know, you're a different kettle of fish to what they are. Um, you, you've seen the real highs and lows of life to the extremes they haven't seen. You know what it's like to work under pressure. I mean, they, they know what pressure is as well. You have deadlines and, you know, your KPIs and all those sorts of things and then productivity. But for us, that pressure was, and this is what I say to them in a lot of my courses, if, you know, imagine you have uh, a couple of your teammates um, on on the Thursday afternoon they they get killed in your team. You hit by a roadside bomb and they're dead, and they're not coming back ever. And I said, for us, we can't just go and you know have a have a, a big meeting on Monday morning with all the execs or the managers and and work out where do we go wrong, how do we do it better next time. But it doesn't really affect the businesses per se. Um They they just keep motoring on and do it better. For us, we we had to just get back on the wagon. It's straight away. There's no. Room to, to grieve or to cry about it. You, you're going to have a couple of, you know, guys come in to replace those couple of people that just were just killed a quick bit of training for a couple of days. Then you're back out on mission. So you, you can't just take that time to, to really get it right. You know, you've got to get it right all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you get it wrong out of mission, maybe somebody loses their life. Mm-hmm. And that's the big difference, I suppose, that I, the example I bring in where if you've got something that's a real high profile part of your business, you know, pay attention to that part of the business because if you get it wrong, it can be catastrophic. And there, there's some of the lessons that I suppose that I, that I bring in, working under that pressure, that ability to – I know the old sniper saying, uh, the sniper's saying that slow is smooth and smooth is fast, you know, really slowing time down. And it works. It works because it's proven. It's proven in combat in the most fearsome arena on earth to really take that split, that, that couple of seconds to uh, take it in, what's going on. And trying to avoid making a mistake that you would just that uh, that you, you may do by by panicking and and just making a, a decision based on on nothing. So there are a lot of lessons that I, that I really love to sort of put over, and they're made they're made from years and years of trial and error where we got things right, we got things wrong, we learnt from those mistakes in that arena.
3: <laughs>
0: you know, and I've I've had a couple of friends of mine, um, close friends that were killed overseas. One minute you're having breakfast with that person, and a couple of hours later they're dead, and they're looking up at you through glazy eyes, and they're never coming back, and it's a real it's, it's a real sobering moment, isn't it? It's a real reality check of life. And I say this to the corporate people: you've you've, you've got that ability, you've got that chance to to not have to deal with that like we did. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, interesting, isn't it? You know the trial
3: and error thing. Uh, me as an entrepreneur, business owner, I can't stress that enough. I tell people all the time the two things that really allowed me to overcome where I came from, and so my background. You know, basically I tell people I went from on purpose to unfinished, went through major depression, coming through a really ugly uh, divorce and, you know, multiple suicide attempts. And to now where people are like, oh, yeah, community leader, this is the guy you need to talk to if you're starting your business. Right. And so to hear those things, it oftentimes feels surreal, but it's kind of like you talked about, you know, once you get a couple of them down, you feel like that you could maneuver and that you can help people in other different directions. You can share your story. But I didn't expect that this would be my life, right? I didn't expect that this would be the space that I'm maneuvering. But it's so cool to hear that story time and time again from other entrepreneurs, from people who have gone through it in a different capacity, but to know that, you know, you've kind of flipped the script, so to speak. So thank you for sharing that
2: the the amazing thing is is just hearing what mark's doing that drive really to see people succeed and win and just understanding that making a slight change for one person how that can have such a huge waterfall effect on everybody else and it just starts with one person and when we can make and help somebody traverse where they're going from where they're at to where they want to go, walking with them. But they make those growth points. They go and do what they need to is a huge thing. And so I would think just based on the conversation, the legacy piece is going out there and helping one person make that change, which is going to go impact six people, that six degree of separation and just how that chain reaction goes for you. So I don't know if I'm on the right, right trajectory here thinking about that, but when you think about it, Mark, for yourself, that legacy that you're building, what does that look like? And then as you're going about working with the corporate leaders and corporate uh corporations, and whatnot, as you're growing and building that, how is legacy adjusting and how's that pivoting for you to make a bigger impact for what whatever that is for you?
0: Yeah, and it's something I'll really bring up. With, um, with a lot of leaders themselves, especially at that, that sort of CEO level, I'll actually say the same thing to them. You know, what what sort of legacy do you want to leave behind? Do you want to be remembered as one of the greats of this organisation? Do you want your people to talk about you for years in a great space because they do? Or do you want them to just forget you and if they walk past you in the street, they would totally ignore you or, or maybe give you a, a mouthful or something? Mm. And it's, it's, you know, to some of them, maybe they don't really care as much, but I think it's important. And I, I would love at least I suppose for my own legacy in the business is that I can just have that effect on people a, a great effect on people you know you don't want them to to blow smoke but it's just I suppose to nice all those years of hard work and sacrifice that you can have a real a real impact on them and I love if you do a, a talk I love when you get to that moment of having silence I love it I think it's amazing because you know you've got those people you've got them totally ingrained in what you're saying and and I know that what I've been through is not the ordinary it's it's different to what most people have been through and the sheer volume and the amount of years at what I've done and so it's it's going to have that impact it's not that it's, I'll live my life by it but it it's, it's really nice it's a nice thing when you hear something positive um or you get a nice review or um that th- then the opposite uh because it's uh like i said you know once you're gone it's what your your name and i suppose reputation is that that sort of that follows on from that and uh, I think we all we all look at it different ways. Some people really want the uh, the accolades, the accolades. Sorry, but f- for myself, I'm just really thrilled if I can. I'd rather have one person who's in a really bad spot who who gets through that, and you can have an impact on that person's life and turn it around. I love saying that more than anything. I think that's the ultimate. Mm. You know, somebody who's really lost their confidence, and I've, I've I've worked with I worked with a lady a while ago was like that. Um, She's a CEO of a big trading firm, and she was in a really bad way. A lot of it was cultural. Um, having the 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 you know the, the male domination around her. And it was great to see her shine through it and, and come out of it, and it with a real positive spin and really um, do well going forward. And that's what I love. So I think if you've done that, you, you've had a good day out. You've done a pretty good job. When you start to piece together
3: some of the the leaps and bounds that you've had to get to, to where you're at, uh, what are some of the pieces of advice that you might give to somebody who's kind of in a similar realm um, or just uh, kind of maybe starting their entrepreneurial journey?
0: I think the biggest thing I would say to anybody is I did a talk at a at university in front of, a about, I think, about 1,000 students recently, a few months ago. And my big message to them was, you know, if you've got a dream, you know, chase after it. Don't don't let it go. Don't look back on your life when you're maybe my age and think, I wish I had did that because those those years are gone. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the worst that can happen is that you fail. And if you fail, you learn from where you went wrong and then and then, and then go again. And, and I say to them, you know, if I'm living proof that, that anybody can do it, I don't come from a family of extreme wealth or privilege. I didn't go to private schools. So I went through the public system in, in Australia. I'm just a surfer from the beach. I grew up at the beach <laughs> in a big surfing culture down here in, in Sydney. And that was my life when I was five years of age. You know, my father was a surfer and uh, and that's where I lived and breathed that life. Um, To then go on to do what I if you told me when I was young what I would go on to do, I would have probably laughed at you. You know, I didn't even know where uh, Iraq was. You know, a lot of this terminology that I've learned now in the corporate sphere, I didn't understand that when I first started. I had no idea what a COO was when I started, but now, now I do because you, you, you take it on and you learn. And that's, that's the challenge of it. And you learn something new all the time. And it's fantastic now that I've got this new, it's almost like a new, a new career really that than what you had. So, like I said, I'm living proof that if you if you want something bad enough, you you can have it absolutely. I know you'll be hearing a lot from sports people and people like that. You know, if you work hard, but it is hard work and you're gonna have little little ups and downs. All these successful entrepreneurs that I've met, a lot of other coaches I've met, um, they're not successful overnight. A lot of them is successful over a decade. It takes them ten years to have that amazing career where they're earning, you know, big money. Mm. And and it's not not one or two years, it's it's several, you know, three, four, five years before you really start getting that name out there and get get going. But I say to people as well, don't don't give up. If you've really got a dream and you're good at something, you think you're quite unique in your sphere, really enhance that, you know, and, and capitalise it and get the right people around you. That's a big one, I think. Big advice is that one that I was given as well. And and keep going. Because the ones that give up after a year or two, they're the ones that fail. Mm. But the ones that keep going are the ones that are going to succeed in the end and they will.
2: It's a mindset (laughs) foundation piece, and I'm huge because actually I posted something today where a lot of people will blame circumstances, blame the external piece, and you a lot of times you don't have control over that external piece. What you have control of is that internal piece. And the internal piece, the foundation is your mindset, the the belief system that you hold and you maintain where that's where a lot of people are like, well, this is my belief system. Is that truly your belief system or is that somebody that's been in your life that has told you this is how it has to be? And so that's where your belief system starts building. So it's one of these things, really, it's the mindset, the the foundational piece of working on the mindset, really getting that as strong as you can but also building your tribe around you that's lifting you up and is going and doing bigger things and driving you to go do bigger things. So I think it's one of those things that you can't blame the circumstances. You don't have a lot of control over this. What you have control of is what's in your bubble, which is just yourself.
0: You've got to really own, own those mistakes. You've got to understand what, why something failed, why it didn't work. And you, you know, and you're right. It's, it's all mindset. I mean, even, even physical, um, you know, we used to do a lot of, of course, our, our horrible physical tests in the military and things, and and especially with the specialist units, they're horrible. But it's and it's all in your head. Everything's mental because everybody's hurting, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it's the people that are who can push through it mentally. Um, you know, when your body's hurting, and it, it's the same in anything. It's the same in in the corporate world or just a whole professional theatre, especially for high achievers. And I love working with those people that have got that real attitude of wanting to get, they're already good, but they want to become, you know, really great at what they do. And it's because it's they have that mindset. They have that real approach of like, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to be successful in this and, and this is what I'm doing. And they may just need a little bit of help and guidance to actually, you know, um, achieve that. I mean, they're the easy ones to work with those people. They're, they're your dream people because they already want to be better. And they haven't got the ego to go with it. They're like, okay, this is, I'm already here and how do I, get to the next level. It's like a like a sports team that's that's already good but they wanna they want to win the title. That is don't want to be making the numbers up. But it's all mindset isn't it? it's all it's all between your ears. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh it's so true. And a lot of times most people once they realize that they have it within themselves, it's just a little bit of a you know, a little bit of an edge that they just need and all of a sudden you see them run with it. So one of my, the things that I've really harnessed in uh, since we started doing this podcast is really focusing in and zeroing in on the power of gratitude. And it's been a huge and integral piece for me to not only reflect. And so, uh, you know, there's, we I love this segment in here because it really gives maybe a, a time to really maybe acknowledge, maybe thank somebody that you maybe haven't had the opportunity to. But is there anybody that comes to mind when you think of kind of where you're at? And again, you know, we've had anywhere from parents and siblings to spouses the children to, you know, uh, friends and family or people who helped, uh, mentors, you know, things like that. But is there anybody that comes to mind to you in terms of, you know, that you would want to maybe publicly think or just acknowledge in regards to helping you get to where you're at?
0: Probably three real pivotal people. My, my Both my parents uh, for just being very for being people that really allowed me to, to go out and achieve my dreams that they weren't, I suppose, parents that, that hold you back. They, they were the opposite. They were like, you know, go off and chase it and very supportive and, and just very consistent throughout my life. You know, I was very close to my father and unfortunately he's gone now. So that's a, that's a real bummer, you know, cause you, you never get past that. Mm-hmm. And also my lovely partner that I'm with now, her name's Shani. She's a, just an amazing lady that, that really has, you know, a no BS approach, but a massive heart and one of those people who would do anything for anybody and just, um, gave me that strength to also go out and chase my dream. Even when I was at university, she was like, right, you back your work off. So you concentrate on your studies, you make sure you do that the best of your abilities and then starting the business. And it's just that that constant support the whole way through. And I'll, I'll always be, um, you know, indebted to that with, with her, with that, that whole, um, support mechanism. So yeah. Yeah, there you go. There's I those sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I love that. I think that, uh, you know, that support system that you talked about is so important. And there's an author that I really like uh, by the name of Seth Godin, mm. and yeah. he talks about the tribe, you know, and I think when he wrote his book, it was 75 people. I think he's updated to 100 people. Mm. But you think, you know, look at maybe some of the people that you know, and how many of them, is it hard for them to even maybe list maybe one or two people, much less, you know, 50, 75 or 100 people. So it is a lot of work to be able to build that. But the ones that you have, the ones that are around you, you know, they... Really solidify, and they make a huge difference. So, I appreciate you sharing that. And shout out to those who have helped you get to where you're at. Um, it's always fun and really eye appealing for me to realize, you know, those people who are around me who've helped me get to where I'm at as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about the tribe, um, I think that was the other the other great thing for me was was going with that 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 lady I was referring to earlier. With with the the branding specialist Lady Mary, she she introduced me to part of her her tribe as well. They're are a worldwide group of um professional coaches in different sort of spheres, and uh, and we we talk regularly and, and support each other and. Um, you know, even when it's on LinkedIn and we're all, you know, doing our, our regular posting and 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 that support network there. And they're extremely professional people, very successful, all of them. It's not a massive tribe, but it's quite a a, a good number, controlled number who gets in there. But it's so amazing to be part of that because you get to learn off these people and really absorb what they're doing. And I've made some amazing contacts for them, you know, through through the US and, and Europe and places like that. Um, and just to see how how they go about their business and what's made them work. And it's all the same thing with those people it's just hard work dedication understanding what they're good at and and really in, enhancing that it's not rocket science it's just it's like i said it's that taking complex and making it very very simple and that's what works
3: um how much of would you say of the feedback to figure out what you're good at you know i remember when i first launched my agency i had to figure out what i felt like i was good at in the things that i struggled with and that alone can sometimes be daunting, right? Because you're like, oh, man, I got to face my own truths. But then to go to maybe your spouse to hear the uglier truth, right? Or to maybe go to your <laughs> friends and family, which they've been dying to tell you these truths for a long time, you know? So how much of that has played into kind of your role and in, in your success as well?
0: Yeah. <laughs> And that's right. Nobody ever wants to hear the, hear the, uh, the negative stuff. But <laughs> you, you, you have to. You, you have to hear the negative things. Um, one thing I think I've, be, I've become a lot better at over the years is really listening to people, really listening to what their stories is and listening to what they say. And not just because you get so used to being in that role as, as, a, as a leader or a team leader overseas, and you're doing a lot of the talking, a lot of the mission planning. You're out on mission. You're talking on the radio. So you get used to it. But then you come back into the, say, the corporate or the professional world where you're a nobody. And it's like, you yeah, know, well, no one cares here that, you, that you've really, you know, that, that you could do that in that sphere. So sort of, can you do it here? And it's, I knew I was always reasonably good at, I suppose, getting the best out of people. I knew it myself. But do you think that other people, you know, sort of know that? You, you don't. It's not until I, I had a, uh, one, of, one of my good friends now at university sort of, you know, so to me, he said, you know, this is something that, that, that you're good at, Mark. You know, you should really enhance that. And, and a lot of the, the kids here they want to listen to you and they want to learn from you. And it made me sort of really realize it was a bit of a light bulb moment that I was like, okay. And it's something that th- those words were, were really prophetic with me and that I I really remind myself of that conversation a lot of the times. Um, If ever you think you're getting ahead of yourself to really go back to that that conversation and the whole point of it, is what, what you're doing, and you don't want to lose that. You never want to lose sight of of what you're good at, but also keeping in check. And I think too many people become successful and they really lose sight of who they are. Um, I had a friend that would become quite successful like that. And, yeah, it was really sad. He, he sort of, you know, really changed the more successful he's got. And it wasn't until I sort of, you know, had that bit of a few brutal words, you know, <laughs> with him, like, you know, and it, it became about because of a, a situation and it was it was just like wow yeah okay I've got to really really chill things out a little bit mm-hmm. because nobody wants that they, they people want they want humble they don't want somebody who's just talking about themselves telling you how good they are and and I, I can't stand that for me personally I, I love just great genuine people you know the, that's what it's all about I love that yes hundred percent
3: Mark can you tell us a little bit about. Some of the courses that you currently offer, and then I know you've got some new courses coming out for 2023. So share with us kind of what that looks like, and maybe uh you know uh from our legacy warriors who may be looking to kind of hire you on. You know what is your ideal uh, clientele or or your niche?
0: Yeah, what I've been doing is a lot of work with individuals, um uh, from that that generally from the the individual side, from that sort of board level up up through up to the CEO. Um, and then I'll work with the corporate teams more on that sort of middle management there. And my 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 system, everything I have, like I said, it's very systemized. I've got a big bag of lessons that I've built. I think about forty-four lessons, and I can really tailor that and customize that to that to suit that organization, um, which which is really nice. And I'm I'm moving in also into um, again a little bit back to my back to my roots with the, the crisis awareness um, talks I'll be doing. I think starting in February, the first one in Sydney, and they're going to be back to that boardroom. Person-to-person conversation, around about twelve to fourteen people at a time, and really based on on the whole aspects of crisis awareness in their in their business, whether that's cyber awareness, um, active shooter, armed offender awareness, travel awareness. I'm even going to be going into a little bit about uh, regulatory risk and supply chain risk as well, things like that. That everything really encompasses their their business to to help them, you know, navigate moving forward with um. You know, the amount of disruptions, the amount of, I suppose, distractions we have now, you know, the cyber attacks are a very, very big one, and it's just about making them uh, understand that the little thing's also about that, you know, ownership and responsibility in that organisation where if something bad happens, that they they have to be transparent with the public, they can't just hide it and hope it's going to go away, and we had a big one in Sydney recently with a, one of the giant organisations, or a couple actually, that had all their, their clients' data stolen, personal files, medical records, and they really filtered down The 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 release to the public of what had been actually stolen, rather than actually saying, okay, we've been we've been hacked here, and this is what we think has gone, because the public, ultimately, are the ones that are other clients, and to know that you're, you're to think your data's been stolen, to then maybe a month later being told, yeah, actually, it has been released to the web, and we knew about it a month ago. That's going to really tick people off. Mm. So I'm really looking forward to these courses um that I want to sort of probably do round round the country, around Australia. And like I said, I love that little discreet setting where you can have a lot of interaction and involvement in the in the, the the courses. It's not just me there telling everybody, it's about this is my background, you know, this is what I've done, you know, I am here really sucked that suck it out of me, you know, like <laughs> everything you want is here. And even like I said, that it's very prevalent now, I suppose, with a lot of the active shooter stuff. Not as much in Australia, but People have still got to be very, very wary of it. And just those little things, how to to give yourself a chance of actually getting yourself out of that situation, to not just follow the crowd and just run. Sometimes it's a matter of running, is actually the worst thing you can do. You know, to take, take a breath, take a moment, like we spoke about before, to really assess what's going on. And that may be the thing that keeps you alive. Um, and, and, I, and I really I really love that side of it as well. So i yeah, looking forward to those courses.
3: Yeah. No, I, I think that's super important. Um, I actually uh did some some acting with Spike TV and several years ago they used to have a show that was called Don't Be a Victim and they used to actually uh replay certain situations mm-hmm. that had happened giving you the actual facts in the story, but also recreating the scenario to show you what maybe you should or should not do. So the fact that you're teaching this to the general public, to people who need this to, you know, for the awareness piece is huge, um, because it was some of those things that you don't think of. And then when it does happen, because you've never thought about it, you've never gone through it, you know, you can almost assume for a lot of people, the worst thing may happen. So I love the fact that you're teaching that um, and that it is a course that you offer. What is the best way for our listeners to be able to connect with you, follow you and support you?
0: Yeah, so my, my website's very, very simple. It's just markashbyconsulting.com. Uh, my, my email is markat, markashbyconsulting.com. Uh, they're both Mark with a K and I'm quite prevalent on LinkedIn um, and it's, it's just Mark Ashby Consulting on LinkedIn as well, so <laughs> I've got got that all sewn up. And I'm, like I said, I post on LinkedIn generally a few times a week as well. Um, very interactive with, with a lot of a lot of people on there, which is really nice. And I just try and yeah, be very genuine and bring out a lot of my like I said, a lot of my experiences moving forward. Um, and that's that's the best way. Also on my my website, I've got a free masterclass on there. People can just basically get on there and click a link, and I've I've got a bit of a, a bit of a masterclass talk for. I think it goes about fifteen minutes on there. Almost. and that has all the uh, information where people can get in touch with me and and uh yeah or, or any of your viewers uh listeners want to get in, in touch i would love to love to speak to them
3: awesome yeah well i'm definitely going to go check out that master class for sure Put in the show notes. yes uh and we'll make sure that we get all of your information posted here um is there anything else that you wanted to either highlight that maybe uh, we didn't get a chance to discuss or anything else um you know in these last closing minutes that you wanted to go ahead and offer
0: yeah, no, I just think it's, uh, like I said, it's always a pleasure, um, for me talking to, to, to great people like yourself, um, in different parts of the world. I, I, re- I really enjoy it and it's, it's a real privilege and uh, it's never to be taken for granted. You know, like, um, you, you have your own, your, your own path of, of what you guys are doing, which is fantastic. And, and I, I, really love that. And I think we've, we've pretty much covered a lot of, <laughs> a lot of bases. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate. You know, I, I get to do what I love, um, every day and I generally love that. And if you can love what you do in life, life's, life's easy. You know, and I've been like I said, I'm I'm very blessed that I'm still here, you know, a lot of my good friends aren't. So I never take that for granted. You know, I've got a lot of friends and their young wives out there that are in their, you know, forties and so so similar ages that that are now you know on their own with their their kids and things and they that's a very, very uh, a big reminder for me, the big wake up call. To never take um anything for granted. So that's my message to to all your listeners. To really, really look after you, not just look after yourselves, look after your, your loved ones and your family members. And uh, if you have any rips out there, any, any little rips with your family members, try and do the best to heal those. Because um, you know, all of a sudden months pass by, the news pass by, and and um, it's 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 just not worth it in the end. Like, everyone here for one go at it? So that that's my um my final take on that. But otherwise, it's been fantastic, Jensen. I've really enjoyed talking to you
3: been a real pleasure mark uh, there's so many different things that even just in this uh, podcast that even uh, you know I'm thinking about now and um, I really appreciate that you show up authentic I can definitely tell that but also that you have the humility that matches so thank you so much for how you present yourself and how you approach these things because um, it's not every day that you can feel that genuine and that authentic, version of people because you never know what somebody's going through. But uh, I really appreciate you showing up very authentic today. Thanks very much. Really appreciate that.
2: Quite a bit of nuggets here for all the warriors listening. Really, every conversation, extract a couple that you can walk away with, implement into your life, and then come back and revisit the episode and see if there's something else that was shared that maybe you weren't ready for. And then you may be at a point where your mind's ready to accept that and then go implement it. But no, I I appreciate Mark coming on, sharing your insight, sharing your story, and really just the passion of the heart that you really have for others and wanting to make that big change just through one person and then having that as a chain reaction to go impact more people that you may not even realize are being impacted because of how you're showing up in the... Drive and the heart that you have for others. I uh, greatly appreciate coming on here and sharing that insight for our audience to take away and go do what they
0: need to. Yeah, no, th- thanks very much, Scott. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, uh, you know, best of luck to to yourselves as also moving moving forward with your program. Fantastic,
3: guys. This has been another uh, fantastic episode. Again, uh, closing this up for today. Uh, this has been another episode of Legacy Digging with Two Native Sons. We'll catch you on the next one.